2: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
3: The Wednesday week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium.
1: Okay, so it says we're live on Facebook. Good afternoon and welcome to the... uh, Oh, good evening... Uh, and welcome to the Wednesday week. It's another uh, TWW Lockdown Live. My name's Dan Fudge and with me we've got Victoria, Ben, uh, Shill, uh, we've got Simon Hill uh, and we've got uh, we've got Steve on. But as you can see right there at the bottom, ladies and gentlemen, please have a big warm welcome round of applause Mr Craig Rowcastle, one of the kings of Cardiff himself. Craig, good evening and, uh, and welcome to the Wednesday week. Are you well? I am. I am. Cold but well. <laughs> I notice you've not picked up that, uh, that American twang just yet. You still sound like you're from Lewisham.
4: Yeah, sometimes uh, if someone American speaks to me, you might hear it change a little bit. <laughs> I tell you what, we had uh, we had Chris Bart
1: Williams on recently, and he's uh, and he's out in the states, and uh, and there was a point where. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what that accent was, but it definitely wasn't the what the one he was born with. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> hey, mind you, I get that when I go up north. I live in the south now, and uh, when I go up, I always get told that my accent's different. So yeah. uh, as as we said offline, you're um you're currently in Kansas City. I assume uh, Super Bowl fever hit on uh, at the weekend. Uh, my commiserations to your to your current town. Yeah, Chiefs. Yeah, didn't but work out. Well. we'll be all right. We'll be back. I was going to say, I must admit, it didn't get, it didn't get helped out by the O line, but I can I can absolutely talk about this all day. But um, but listen, Craig, listen, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, now, normally in these situations, Ben's done his own work, so we're going to cut straight to him to talk about some some of your career
5: pre-owls. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I've picked up on my research. You started off at QPR. Um, but then dropped out of that into the non-league. So I was just going to ask you, really, seeing as you come through the non-league route, we've had Guy Whittingham on in the last couple of weeks that also went that way. What are your views on, you know, the academy side to, to the non-league route, you know, with you being, you've seen both?
4: Um, funny story about QPR is I wasn't technically signed. Um, no. I was still at non-league on the longest trial in history at QPR. So they were in administration some way or somehow didn't sign me but i still stayed anyway so i'm happy to see it pump up on my wikipedia that I was actually a qpr youth but um the the academy side well obviously the non-league side is just men's football so you know at 17 18 19 you're playing against men some who have been professionals some who are very good players um and they all want to kill you being a youngster so you have to you know toughen up quickly did you,
1: uh, did you find that when you, uh, you were playing men's football and you, you know, having the surname that you did, and uh, did you feel that they want to kick you a bit
4: harder? No. It was just more of a prideful, like, I'm not going to let this young kid embarrass me more than anything else. Like, they just was not going to let any youngster kind of have their way with them. So they really tried to intimidate you from the get-go. Um, I remember when I played against a guy called Dave Clark, I mean, he looked me in my eyes like he was going to eat me for lunch. Like he just wanted to kill me. Um, and then we ended up being teammates. So it was nice to actually have him on my side. <laughs> that's not too shabby to have something like that in your background. But I know what you mean. Like, you know, playing
1: Sunday League as long as I did. I used to, want, you know, there'd be some upstart 18-year-old turnout with his pink boots on. He's getting kicked. <laughs> He's getting, you know, that's <laughs> that's what, that's what's going to
0: happen. Uh, Steve, I'll come to you next. Sir. Yeah, I mean... With the greatest respect, it's it's been. Um, you look at your record in terms of the teams that you have played for. You played for quite a few before you got to Sheffield Wednesday. What was the, the the sort of the journey into the, the the sort of the professional game? You know, obviously you, you you've gone from non-league getting into to to sort of a pro club. Could you do, sort of describe that for us?
4: Yeah, I mean, I signed for Chelsea, um, and how that came about was kind of bizarre because I actually went to Coventry, um, and their last game just get the team. lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to Coventry, and the last game of the season um, was against Chelsea in a reserve game so I played in that and long story short I then got a call from Chelsea asking me to come in so it's bizarre how it happened um, and even when I was on my way there I thought someone was pulling my leg um, so you know the the, the transformation going into that was just a dream come true I mean I get to step in with world class players um, Yeah give us
1: yeah, do some name jumping Craig don't be modest come on <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, you step in there and obviously, you know, Frank Lampard was there, he signed a year before and then you have the likes of Crespo, um, Emmanuel Petit, you know, Jody Morris is in there. I mean, the list is huge. Marcel Desailly, I mean, there's some legendary people um, that I actually got to to be around and 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 watch do their thing.
1: Was there, was there a point you were there and you were sat there thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? I'll pull this off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what is it? Is it called Napoleon yeah. syndrome or something where you kind of sat there going...
4: It was just weird because I had to come off in the commentary game because I got hurt and my friends and I played loads of pranks on each other. So when the phone call came in, I thought someone was really pulling my leg. So even though I'm driving to the training ground, I'm like, why am I still driving here? And I'm going to get there and people, they're going to be like, who? You know, what, what, what do you need? Um, but it was ironic when I got there, they were waiting for me as I turned into the, to the Um And, you know, uh, Stuart Bannon Mick McGiven and reserve coach Gwen Williams. And Mick McGiven kind of says to me, you know, like, what were you doing in a, in, in a, in a shithole like Coventry? He says. Um, <laughs> and I kind of looked at him was like, you have no idea where I've come from. So Coventry was really plush to me. Um, so, you know, how they welcomed me was just, it was just, it was just brilliant, man. It was just insane. Yeah, the welcoming was insane.
5: You, you, you see, you say about going into Chelsea, I mean, you would have seen at that point, Going in about 2003, is it that you know Mourinho's coming in around that time? No, you had you know a few loan moves, as most Chelsea youngsters do, even now. But how much yeah. of you know you've mentioned some of the big
4: hitters, but how much of Mourinho did you see? A lot. I mean, so I signed on the Ranieri and just as the takeover happened, um, and then the second year was when Jose came in. Um, So it was night and day for me. I mean, Ranieri was obviously Italian and Italian speaking. I mean, he used to say practice training sessions in Italian and I'm standing there like, what we doing? So, you know, you had people like Marcio Dessay translating into English, you know, like, oh, we're doing two-touch keep ball. And I'm like, okay, and the game's already started. So M- Mourinho comes in and, I mean, he knows my name, he knows my stats, he knows my history. So it was totally the bipolar opposite. They actually spoke to me on a regular basis. Um, when I was in the squad finally at Chelsea, if I made the bench, it was like a tap on the shoulder and a thumbs up, not real conversation. And if I didn't make it, he would tap me on the shoulder and say, "Not today." So that's the that's the conversations I had with Erie, But Jose was totally different, like totally different.
1: And what in, in what in what way? Like, it was he was he a bit more communicative? Communicate is that the word? What's the <laughs> Nick, help me out? Did he
4: communicate more? <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. And that's what I'm saying. Like he I mean, he just won the Champions League and came to Chelsea and he knew everything about me. Oh wow. To um, where I was there with Radieri and I said I got a thumbs up, a hello, a good morning. Not today, um, you know, that whole time frame. And then somebody came in and knew everything about me. So it kind of just gave me more confidence to 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 impress and be involved and to do what I needed to do because he actually knew everything about me.
3: We talked about your surname, Craig, and obviously your cousin played at Arsenal for a, well, Arsenal legend. And then obviously he was at Chelsea towards the end of his career. So did you feel the pressure just with that link, especially?
4: No. So David, um, David was well liked, well loved. So everywhere I went, um, people spoke to me like they knew me my whole life. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, I I would watch David and sometimes I would go to a few games at Highbury more often. Um, and when I stepped in at Chelsea, you know, people like Frank Sinclair and Eddie Newton and 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 players came up to me and and welcomed me like they've known me my whole entire life. So I didn't really feel a pressure. I said the welcome into Chelsea was just brilliant because of of the foundation David left behind. Um, you know, and that's when they started calling me like Rocky Two and 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 things like that. So I didn't feel the pressure. I actually, felt like at ease. I felt more pressure leaving Chelsea than when I was at Chelsea.
1: I can imagine. I can imagine that being something that was quite um, quite big for you. But I guess you wanted to set off and, and carve your own career. Do you know what I mean? Because I, careers such as yours, I I really like because like you know you you don't get to see them anymore. It, it's, it's akin to like um, the the charts. You know what I mean? But back in the day, in Opal Fruit days, you know, a a song would come in, it would go up, it would go down, and then it might get to number one. And now they come in at number one and go down, and that's kind of what happens nowadays with 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 young talent. You know what I mean? They come in at the big club, and then and then they start playing for what's perceived as lesser clubs. And every now and again, you get that breakout star. But you like along the line, I think the last player that I remember. In recent memory, was like Mikael Antonio to come from somewhere like Tootin and Mitcham to be right. now playing for West Ham in the Premier League via, via the leagues, and, and and you you had that similar career. That's something to be really proud of, right? You must be going like my football did the talking, and that's what that's what got me up there.
4: That's how I was programmed. Um, you know, my parents invested in me a lot in confidence, um, and it was just to do it, don't talk it. You know, what I mean, like show people your worth. You know, don't don't, you know, pussyfoot around, don't don't walk around like you're better than you are without showing it. So I've always kind of believed in who I am and what I could do. Um, and when I got to sign for Chelsea, I actually had to play in an a exhibition game with, with again, some more names like Mark Hughes. And I looked around the dressing room, and I was like, I'm with Mark Hughes and so many Chelsea legends. And I've got to go and play this game to get this deal done. Um, but I said, because of my foundation at home, I mean... It was something that I wanted to do and I was ready to go do it. Wow,
1: wow. I sorry, Vic. Go on, carry on. I didn't, I, I thought I cut you off there.
3: No, you didn't at all. <laughs> I was <Sorry>. just listening.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let, let's talk about the first loan move. Then, so you, you're now at Chelsea, you're surrounded by these mega stars, uh, and you're at a club where this, uh, this, this. Influx of money has become a huge, a huge part of, of of the game, and and it was Chelsea's turn, and Ken Bates has gone, and Roman's in, and is there, and and so you thought, you know, this is a bit of me. This is this is where I want to be. I want to be rubbing shoulders with Frank Lampard. I want to I want to be doing his dirty work so he can smash those forty yarders in. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. And so when it came to going on loan to places, where was it? I want to say Barnsley, Barnsley uh, yeah. Lincoln. I think it went Scotland as well, or somewhere yeah. like, somewhere like that. Did you? Do, I guess what I'm asking is, as a young man, do you understand that that is the process to get yourself onto the big pitch, to to go through that rite of passage, as it were?
4: No, I didn't. Um, I was, like, trying to crack this system. I was like, I'm going to play. I mean, who cares if I've got Lampard, Petit, and McAuley, and every, Scott Parker, and everybody else in front of me. Like, I'm going to crack this system. That's um, a hell of a cue, that one, Grocky. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, uh, you know, Scott He's got played of the year before he came too, So it's kind of like, you know, how do you uh, crack this system? But um, going on loan, it was exciting for me because I finally got to, like I say to people again, you know, even though I did at Chelsea, I got to have my name on the back of my shirt and actually be on the team sheet. So um, it was a learning curve for me, though, because I didn't really look into who Barnsley was in terms of their form or what was happening. So when I went there, that's when I felt the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, because you go in there to try and help save the day or to help make things better. Yeah. You're the um, big time
1: Charlie at this
4: point yeah, now, yeah, aren't you? I you're naive, the big balls. Yeah. I went there naive thinking, I just want to play football. So, you know, the first couple of games, it was great. And then we played Grimsby and my mate, Isaiah Rankin went on loan from Barnsley to Grimsby and they ended up letting him play. And he, he ran us ragged and we got <laughs> slow like five, one or something like that. And, that's when I felt the pressure of like fans and and, and comments and, you know, it came straight for me, obviously, because I'm one of the Chelsea boys and I'm from South and it's up North. And that's when I first understood, like, you know, uh, you got, you got to do better, you know, you got to make sure you're prepared to do better. And, and, and uh, when I went to Hibs, that's when it, it made me more of a player. I mean, (laughs) that's a, You know, we've
1: got the Sheffield Wednesday and you're already talking about what a nightmare the fans are. Fucking hell. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So so let's I just wanted to briefly touch and we'll go we'll go to Vic on Facebook just uh, just after this one. So Hibernian is an interesting one for me because you played under I uh, wanna Tony Mowbray, right? Yeah. Is that yep. right? So yep. Tony is what you refer to as an old school manager, you know, he's not, he's not going to be the type of guy to subscribe to that, you know, first team coach Monica and stuff like that. So this is a guy who's, who's no bullshit and you're in a league that is a lot more physical is the, uh, is the correct right. term. You know what I mean? Right. So there must've been a point where you're sat there at this, uh, at this club getting kicked And you're the posh, southern Chelsea posh boy. You know what I mean? And you're getting screamed up by Tony Mowbray, who looks like a cartoon
4: character. You you must have thought, what did I do to deserve this? Well, the funny thing is, back then, um, I think it's weird. You know, when coaches do something and they're confident, he was so confident. So he, he went into Hibs and he literally drew in every young player he could possibly get. So you had, you know... Derek from Arsenal, you had uh, Murphy from Middlesbrough, and this lineup was full of youngsters from clubs. I think the oldest two players we had was Gary Caldwell and Stephen Glass. Wow. So he was actually the silent mastermind, and then Venus was the middle finger, I'm going to bite your head off and kick you in, in training type of character. So it was kind of like good cop, bad cop. Um, and between the pair of them, I mean, they just made me the player the player that I became because they they set challenges, they set words in my head they they just programmed me to go out onto the pitch and 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 show my worth like at the first team level um because i remember i came off the pitch and i never gave a ball away and venus said yeah it was a good game but you know good players try things craig you know they don't just play safety you know so you know challenge yourself mate if you want to play in this team and it, it gave me challenges that made me a much better player more confident player um more established player so um they definitely kickstarted my career so, so those 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 um
1: those loan periods, like you say, you've got now got the name on the on the back of the shirt. You've now you're now going out. You're now crossing the line to start the game. You know yes. what I mean? That must that must be an absolute dream come true at this point in front of x amount of thousands of fans because they're quite again. I'll try and use the polite term. They're quite passionate in uh, in in Scotland about their football teams,
4: especially in the capital. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. The Hibs fans are very faithful. When I played, I got there on a Monday, maybe, and I played on a Tuesday night in a reserve game against Rangers. And I mean, they came out in numbers to watch, you know, me and a few others that signed um, play and the support was phenomenal. So when I stepped out there in a real game, you know, even the Hibs versus Hearts games and the Hibs versus Celtic and Rangers games, I mean, this place was just mind blowing.
1: Wow. Well, I, I mean, did you? Did you? So you, you must have played against Hearts then at some point. You must have I sampled did. that derby.
4: Um, that was actually one of the last games on New Year's Day before I went back to Chelsea. Um, and you know they lock down the city, and you, you start off at Hibbs, and it's all it's all green and white and happy faces, and you turn the corner, and people are throwing coins at the bus, shaking. <laughs> <laughs> need little kids giving you the middle finger, two fingers, and this is a hostile, man. And I think we went there and we lost. And I remember them just throwing coins and waving white flags and everything, like it was it was embarrassing. And then we got them back at our place and we kind of tipped them over. So it, it was a it was a good feeling yeah. All right, all right,
1: Simon, I'll come to you now, sir.
6: So we're at that point now. Where are you about to step your foot through the door at Hillsborough then, aren't we? Because yeah. you. you did you have a choice between going back to Hibs or, or was the was it a case of choosing
4: between Hibs and Wednesday? What, 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 what happened there, Craig? The Hibs thing broke down. Um, I enjoyed my time. They approached me about signing permanent. I didn't see nothing wrong with that, but I didn't agree to their policies. They kind of based pay on age. So... I was kinda like, I'm not a money hungry person, so I was kind of like, you can just pay me what you think I'm worth or what you can afford, not based on age. Because if I'm playing all of these games, it makes no sense for me to take less money to play more games. But if you say to me, we've got this in our budget, you know, does it work for you? Then I would appreciate it that more. So long story short, it got to a point where I said, All right, I'm I'm not doing it. And then I got a call from Chelsea and Jose Mourinho was like, I'm happy to have you back. I thought it was going to keep you. Did you like it there? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I'm glad to have you back. We played Stumford in the FA Cup. So I'm buzzing to go back. But by the time I get back, my clearance didn't go through. So I missed that game too. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it, wasn't, it didn't go to plan. But because um, of the relationship and how, how he spoke to me, I was excited to go back because I had the whole preseason with the first team. Um, and I was excited to go and play instead of sitting around and then having him actually still remember who I was um, like I said it was it was incredible um, so I went back and when I went back um, obviously didn't work out to plan because I didn't have as, uh, as much patience because I've just gone from playing to then I think my first game back was Norwich away at Carroll Road and I felt like a granddad I mean everybody else around me was like 17, 18 and there's me playing in this reserve game and I was like this ain't, this ain't, I I can't do this anymore. Um, So based on the offers I had and the conversations I had with, you know, Gwen Williams, Steve Clark, uh, Mitt McGiven, um, I just love Sheffield Wednesday because I grew up seeing David play against Sheffield Wednesday at Arsenal um, and the fans and Chris Waddle and Sheridan and Mark Williams and I just remember just the blue and white and I played on loan against Barnsley. And I mean, I remember hearing the drums. So I was like, this is a done deal because I want to play in front of crowds. I don't want to go to a hole in the wall. I'm sorry, but I want to play against, you know, play for somebody that has support. So wow. um, I I took the, the step down at that time because I had some offers in the championship and I went to Sheffield Wednesday.
6: That, that's amazing that you actually looked at our history. That you So you, you actually through through knowing the players who played for us and not obviously seeing the fact of the crowds that we got Hills. But despite then we, we were right, we we're in League One, that you actually took that on board and went, this is, you actually looked at our history and that attracted you, which is just, how yeah, many players I, do that now? You know?
4: <laughs> yeah, my dad was a football man, so I watched football, man, and he loved players, and he would tell me, watch this player, Craig, watch that player. So I remember, you know, Chris Waddle being one of them. Um, then I remember while I'm watching Chris Waddle I saw... You know Sheridan and Mark Williams in the middle of the park. So for me, it was just like, um, I'm I'm going to Sheffield Wednesday. Fantastic. So
3: obviously, you came over to us, and am I right in thinking we were your first professional league goal? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So how was that as a feeling? Like obviously you've made the step to a club that you've researched on. You know the history, and then I can't. I, I would have to look at Wikipedia to remember what game it was. I want to say yeah. it was at home. Blackpool (laughs) so and we definitely I think we won it didn't we from that so how how was that moment
4: it was great I mean I remember everyone scoring I'm like I need to score like my god like I want to hear some of that and it just worked for me I made the third man run after I passed and it came through and the guy dropped off me and I said that's a bad mistake and he kept on dropping off and I got closer and closer and I said there you go and I just remember the feeling um but if I remember right, we went down again and then came back and won. So I was like, wow, why, why why do I need to score when we lose? But then we ended up coming back and winning. And I mean it was a great experience to get That great experience. And so I'll tell you what. Sorry, Vic. Go on.
3: No, it's all right. You'll show up a minute. Not the down clutch show. We're talking to Craig Rowcastle. <laughs> so obviously, Craig, I think I think it's fair to say that you your career at Sheffield Wednesday just plodded along fine it was you know you made your impact you did whatever but then there was one particular game and I think it's always going to be building up to this where you absolutely ran rings around everyone at Cardiff like it was unbelievable that performance by you was by far I want to say the best on the day um, but definitely the best of, each of your Sheffield Wednesday career and um, we've got to come to it that day in Cardiff, it's May, it's hot. Everyone's in blue and white for obvious reasons because both teams are in blue and white. How how was that? As, you know, we've just talked about you've come through from non-league, you've, you've floated around, you've had a few like flirty loans. Then you're at Cardiff in front of 60,000 people. And all of a sudden, this Craig Rowcastle that we'd, we'd seen glimpses of or whatever else just suddenly had the best game that I think all of us can say we've ever seen you
4: play it's just like I say you know when you're playing so when you're on the outside looking in you want to play in those big moments um you know stepping out there um or trying to even get into the ground through the Sheffield Wednesday crowd was just insane so we finally get in and then we step out for warm-ups and I mean even though you're saying blue and white both teams but you know which blue and white you can see I mean we were there <laughs> in numbers um I remember looking from left to right and I just you know we're in numbers um and it's just a feeling like this is what, this is why you make it. This is what you want to do. If you don't, then you're in the wrong business. Um, and I just turned around to Lee Bullen, who's one of the best captains I've ever had. Um, and I said to him, we got to win today. Um, this is, it's just a no brainer. Um, everyone was just channeled in to do that. So yeah, I was just ready to go. The whistle went, and then it was, just, it was game time. Amazing. And can, Amazing. Can I
6: just go a little bit
4: before the game, before we kicked yeah. off? because. I've got I dug this
6: out. <laughs> I dug this out, Kings of Cardiff book. Yeah. I, and and there's a photograph in here, Craig. I don't know you remember that being taken or the fact that you were rather it looked like you're you're enjoying yourself, but it might be a little bit cold in that kind of in Rother Valley. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I remember it being in the Sheffield Star and, and it, it showed that you'd 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 take me to Rother Valley, you know, because yeah. Wednesday, I like that, we spend loads of money. You know, it's like <laughs> let's let's motivate them. Where should we take all
3: expenses paid? let's expenses
6: <laughs> paid oh, bus. Did you get like the fifty-two or whatever it is that <laughs> runs past from, from number eight from Hillsborough down to Crystal Peaks and then a, a quick walk over? Uh, I think
4: well Star, you made us, you made us run over there. I think. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I must admit that is one of those memories. I think the Sheffield Wednesday fans, we've all got particular memories before games or just a player signing like when we signed to Cagno and Carboni there was this whole incident of them eating a frozen pizza that hadn't been cooked and so many like there's so many random things that pop up and I must admit that was very odd just to see like James Quid like launching himself into Rother Valley Pond was just How yeah. did that come about? <laughs>
4: Quinny's like that. I mean, this this squad that we had was full of personalities. So you had James Quinn, you had Lee Peacock, you had Proudlock, you had JP McGovern, I mean McLean, these this was full of personalities um, who just would turn any moment into something just crazy, insane and fun. Um so I think I was in the in, in the actual water because they keep on saying black people can't swim. I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I swim like a seal. Like, I, I've grown up swimming. My dad used to take me swimming when I was six years old. Like, oh, I can swim. My Yeah, so I think that's why I was in that. But, yeah, Quinny jumped in. I mean, he's just insane. Um, And Peacock, they just, I mean, the, the squad, the personalities in the squad was just second to none. It was. Whose
6: idea was it to go to Robber Valley? That's
4: a good question. I don't know. But I can imagine it was suggested in the tea room. I don't know if you guys remember the tea room. And I'm sure it just came through, like, should we go now? Okay, let's go now. Because I don't remember it being planned. I just remember saying, all right, we're
2: going over here. <laughs> so,
4: <laughs> I think after they had the tea, the biscuits in the tea room, we headed all headed over there. And so the people started jumping in and having a wait of a time. But um, Starrett was a nervous wreck. So I think the players... <laughs> he is—he's like that. He's like that. He's—he's he, he's really nervous. I'm, if you remember the game, he's closing his eyes when McLean was taking the penalty. Like he—he he hasn't got the stomach for it. So <laughs> the players kind of took the pressure off by being just crazy lunatics. Um, you and know, there's some and, great photos in there. You all yeah, yeah, just taking water. it away. I, said, I know. I know. JP McGovern was leading that as well as Lee Peacock and James Quinn. One hundred ten million percent.
5: Well, while we're on about while we're on about characters. We, of course, had Guy Branston on last week and he mentioned. Um, I'm guessing the laugh might be to do with it. He mentioned the Ibiza pre season right. and he touched on a bit, a couple of stories. But c- can you give us any more what happened in Ibiza? Because it sounds brilliant. I never knew about it because I, I were only four or five, but it sounds amazing. This
4: I didn't go, I went there then. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, was, so. he was the posh seven I- kid. Yeah, I came into the change room and I was sitting next to Brandon, so that's how him and I got acquainted. And I was like, Of all the places to put me, why did you put me next to this guy? This guy is loud.
1: Like Craig, just- Craig, let me interject just with a second, because there was a question brought up and Matt, I'm sure, mentioned it again, and I'm gonna bring it up again. Um oh, Guy Branston's party trick is to shove as many pound coins up his nose. Correct. Uh, but did <laughs> <laughs> did he did he I, I feel like he was supplementing his wages with it by the sounds of the amount of times he did it on a
4: night out. <laughs> he, he, I'm telling you the he's insane. Um I, I can't even explain Guy Branson in words, but he's a lovely man. I really like him a lot. Um I'll tell he, you what
1: what was weird like is he's a genuinely lovely, thoughtful guy.
4: Like he was really
1: measured. But you know, hey, he's insane. On,
4: he like, is. But there's another side of him, like, what are you doing? I mean, I come into the change room and as loud as it is, and I sit next to this guy and I can't remember what he said. And I was like, oh, why, why did you put me right here? And um, yeah, he, he, but when you get to know him, he's a brilliant, brilliant person. He really is. But he's just got this side of him. Him and Lee Peacock have got this side to them where they're just the way they dress. Um, <laughs> Hygiene—it's um, just—it's all—it's all—it's—it's a whole another hour of explaining Lee Peacock and Guy Branson. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll make some notes for that for when we have Lee on next. Uh, yeah.
1: I, I've got—I've just got one more question before we go to uh, Facebook, Vic. Uh, Steve, did you right. ever get any jokes about not being able to swim at school? Like <laughs> you know, what I mean? there was like there was like a nod of recognition there, Steve, and, and I felt like.
0: i was a a county swimmer as a kid it's such a
4: a myth myth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) big what have we got on facebook though
3: uh so moving into facebook um martin has asked obviously we're going to talk about the final in a bit more details but he says what were those second half minutes like when it felt like it was all slipping away like do you register it or do you just Keep yes, going.
4: I was I was pissed off because no disrespect to Hartlepool, no disrespect to Hartlepool. We were the better team on paper, on the pitch. Our main concern was Brentford because Martin Allen's a lunatic, and they had Dion Burton and and a few others and Rankin and everybody else who could score out of nothing. So once we got rid of them, we thought we were home and dry, and then we take the lead, we dominate the game, and then we find ourselves two one down. Um, I was just pissed off, like how did this happen? But I knew we would score, but I was hoping that we wouldn't like give up a goal trying to score. Um, but once we went level, um, it was game over. So it, I, it was just a state of shock. Um, and it's like just pissed off. Like we need to get this goal back. But our midfield, you know, Chris Brunt, me, Glenn, Whelan, JP, McGovern. I mean, we, we, um, we fed nobody. We didn't shirk a challenge. We didn't, you know, we didn't give a crap. Um, so, uh yeah, it was, just a, it was just a state of shock.
3: Amazing. I mean, I think we, all of us, apart from Ben, who was at school, uh, I think we were all just... <laughs> like, I was on kind of holiday, actually. I that felt because, physically that, that, sick, It was awful.
5: That, 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 before I really started going, that, I think I were actually in Italy. Craig, but, Craig, great. yeah. <laughs> it, weren't, it weren't really a penalty,
1: were it? We absolutely <laughs> were robbed and blind on that, didn't we? Who told you that? <laughs> I yeah, I might have seen it once or twice on a video somewhere, like
4: <laughs> yeah, looking on VAR. Yeah. Go
1: ahead. Big. <laughs> what else do we have?
3: Uh, I think we're just everyone's just kind of reminiscing about Cardiff at the moment. There aren't really any questions, but so we can just go with that. So obviously, you got the first assist. Yep. That moment was just the crowd exploded. We know the story behind the hand waving, but. For those that don't, you know, what, what was that celebration about from JP?
4: Any given Sunday. Um, and he was talking about, it and talking about it. him and Glen William were talking about it all the time. And ironically, they both scored. So JP, when he talks about something, he's going to do it. Um, so as soon as he scored, he was going to do the celebration, whether it was five minutes afterwards, he was still going to get that celebration out. Um, so yeah, the any given Sunday thing, um was talked about and discussed and said he popped up with the first goal so he was
3: did you watch it on the coach on the way down or is that a myth
4: what's that any given sunday (laughs) i cannot remember because i remember we all had to choose um we could all pick a song for a playlist so i remember the cd just playing a lot some people watching movies. i'm not really i was just waiting to get to Cardiff. i was kind of just chilled out ready to go um as lee bullen says i'm the most laid-back character off the field so um, I can't remember if they watched it. He might have watched it himself though, because loads of people brought their own movies and different things.
6: You travelled down that morning
4: then, Craig? Nah, we got there the day before. Right. Okay. Yeah, because I remember we watched the other game that was before us. Right.
1: Yeah, it's um, playoff. It's playoff weekend. It was playoff weekend, and they do it Lincoln all in Cardiff, the didn't they? Oh,
4: my oh, old yeah. mate. manager.
1: I mean, I mean, like like you said, Craig, right? So you're driving through, and and there's uh, the weird thing about playoff weekend, especially in, in the Millennium Stadium as well, because it's right in the middle of the city centre. You've yeah. got thousands of people from about four different teams usually just strewn about the place. Right. And you, the Sheffield Wednesday, you know, numbers. I mean, there was a rumor that there was eighty thousand there, and we'd stolen twenty thousand of their tickets or something like that. You know what I mean? We we absolutely were 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 a big presence in that stadium i mean as vic mentioned earlier on you ran your blood to water that day um does does things like that spur you on like when you can see these people's faces and look in these faces and you go Do you know what? i don't want to let these guys down does it does it make a difference or does it absolutely petrify you to shit because nah, people- it makes
4: you see the importance and like i said we turned off the coach turned down the road to go down the hill and we couldn't get into the stadium you know our fans were in front side, behind, and we were stuck there for a while. Um, and I said, that's to me, if you're terrified you're in the wrong business, to me, you look at that and think, like, we've got to get it done. And, and like I said, when we stepped out for warm-ups, you could see which blue and white team was there because, you know, they erupted as we came out to warm-up. You could, you could just feel it. was like a home game. And I'll speak about that when we went to Barnsley. I think <laughs> we went to Barnsley and I think Barnsley had 10 and we had 11 at Barnsley. Um, I'm guy in guy Brentford. And we completely packed. I think people were sitting on people's shoulders at Brentford, at the back. I mean, we made every game feel like a home game. Like, every game, no matter where it was.
6: I remember standing outside this bar with my dad, having a pint. And the coach literally came round the corner. The road was full of Wednesday fans. We, yep. we parked at Newport and got the training. And, cool. and Was walked, your car
1: there when you got back? Yeah, we're still there.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have given a shit if it hunted <laughs> me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and me and my dad were stood there with a pine and we've been it was a nightclub. We couldn't get in any of the pubs, and we just, and it was this nightclub where they were serving downstairs. It was surreal. Walked into this nightclub and then walked back out and we stood outside. And literally the coach turned onto our road. It was like a side street in Cardiff. Yes. And I remember looking, and we all of a sudden just realized it was the Wednesday coach. And I think Stuart was sat in the seat where normally the guide sits with the with yes. the microphone. Yes. And I don't know what you've seen before, but Sturrock's eyes were on Stork's, and he was just like,
2: Yes. Fuck,
4: there's all the <laughs> nervous, and- nervous wreck. I'm telling you, he was a nervous wreck. The most- and, and, the in the games, and it was like
6: yeah. when you saw all the Wednesday fans there, that all the players just sort of stood and was looking through the window as the
4: coach is trying to work its way through. Correct. To- Correct. Yeah. 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 To see people on people's shoulders. like It was like we really won the game before we even got into the stadium. You know I mean? Like it was a celebration. And I said, the, the only time I seen historic comf- confident was on a terror Tuesday is when he came out of his whistle and, and he stopped clock and was like, all right, it's, it's time to run because that's all we did on a Tuesday. But outside of that game time, he was a nervous, nervous wreck.
0: Can
4: I just
3: ask then, Craig? Obviously, we had a similar Dalian about five years ago now where we went to Wembley. Um, and I think, it will have been a very, very similar sort of atmosphere outside the ground. Um, for me, it felt like it anyway. We, you know, the, the coach went through the crowd again across the bridge at Wembley and they didn't turn up at all. Did you watch that game? Did you see any of that and think like, what the hell are they doing here? Like, this, is, this is like Sheffield Wednesday. They're playing at Wembley. What's going on? Different mindset,
4: honestly. Like at the time of of the squad that was formed by previous managers and then incorporated with historic. Um, a lot of players wanted to climb, um, wanted to get back to the top, um, you know, as a team or individually. So, you know, they it was just a different mentality. Um, I even say that today, I think the mentality is totally different for an individual um, because the market's totally different. Um back in the day it used to be more of a team success thing, you know, teams climbing. Now it's individuals climbing. So yeah, it was it was it's disappointing to see, but um, hopefully hopefully there's a new batch of of kings either through promotion or playoffs.
3: It'll be it'll be the same old story as yours, I'm afraid, as it's going. It'll be the League One to the Championship. But yeah, no, no, it was no, just no, interesting we were, we were, we were. to think because I think for us we all kind of had that expectation because of the Cardiff game. You know, we were all instantly back in 2005. The minute that we found out we were going to Wembley, we were all right. instantly back there, and then we got there and got absolutely nothing. <laughs> so
4: right. Maybe you should have been played at Cardiff and not Wembley.
1: Yeah. yeah, maybe. I must admit, when I when I walked into that stadium, I didn't expect half of it to be under the sea level or under the road. You kind of go, well, this isn't that big a stadium. And then you go in it just dips right it's underneath gone, it. It's absolutely yeah. bloody terrifying. Yeah.
6: Um, I it was just want to... It was, say again. it was an amazing stadium, I thought, Cardiff. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I was looking up to go to the old Wembley. Um, when we when we won in '91 and then the cup, cups in '93, um, and I always liked the old Wembley, and obviously we were at Cardiff because they were redeveloping Wembley, weren't right. they? Yeah. And and I've been to Cardiff City's ground, and and then obviously to go in there, and I thought it was amazing because even though it was a big stadium, you seemed to be really on top of everything. You really on, and you see the photographs. And it, it, even though it's big, it almost seems compact in a way and it's on mm, top yeah. of the pitch. And it was, the atmosphere was just the most incredible atmosphere. Yeah. You, I mean, if you're standing in the middle of that pitch, Craig, you know, when you walked out and saw the 40-odd thousand Wednesday fans, so I know you'd yeah. said, is that anything you've experienced before or after, you know, in, in the fact of you've obviously played in the States and stuff like that? Yeah. Or does that, isn't that an abiding
4: memory that you, you'll take to the grave with you? course i mean the only thing that comes remotely close to that is um, when i came out here to play for kc and we played against man united so we went into the chief stadium to play this game and we had like 57,000.
1: Well, in the um, arrowhead
4: in the arrowhead yeah
1: that's that isn't that like renowned as like the loudest stadium because it's something with the acoustics or something it's like
4: it goes all the way to the top no backing no I don't know how people sit up there. I really don't. But, yeah, we we uh, that place was packed, you know, fifty six or 57,000. Um, and our usual attendance at that time before our stadium was anywhere between 8 and 10. So we stepped out there to see that game. It was like, oh, my God. And then we played uh, Chivas Guadalajara, um, and that felt like an away game um, at, at our place. So, yeah, they, they come close to mind. But I've never really played for a team, like I said, where they've made every away game feel like a home game. I mean, because that's how that's how Wednesday travels, you know, every away game, our fans were the loudest, you could see them the most. You know, they used to even tease the opposition about their fan base. Um another moment I really remember is when we beat Leeds at home. Um that atmosphere when we beat Leeds at home at Hillsborough in the championship. So yeah, i, I Wednesday Wednesday to me is just one of those, one of those clubs, one of those teams, such history. Um and are still loyal to the club, even through the bad times. Um, they still show up. They might moan, but they still show up.
0: So. You know,
4: but they're, entitled to, they're entitled to moan for me because they do show up. I mean, some fan bases deteriorate, um, um, but Wednesday doesn't really deteriorate like that. So I
1: think I think that's our issue, isn't it? I think if we all spoke, I think we, you know, we we've put our time in, we've done it, we've paid our dues, we've we've turned up in our numbers, and we've not been rewarded the last twenty years. You know, we, we've had some things to shout about, you know, we've got out of League One, but, you know, your question is, should we have be been League One the fucking first place? Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, um, So, I, I just, you know, I, let's just stay on Cardiff before, before we move on. Steve, have you got any more there, Paul? Because uh, I stitched yeah. you up last week, didn't
0: I? <laughs> you stitched me up every week, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, we've we won, obviously, we got to the final with a massive sort of ground swallow of support and what have you, and then, obviously, we get back. I went down on the train. Uh, with my other half, and she doesn't come and watch football, but the you know the the, the sort of the experience it, it sort of swept everybody up. We got on the train back to Sheffield, went out and had a drink. What was it like for you guys um, the evening? There's a there's a famous uh, McKeever, isn't there? A Bullen sat in the, the the sort of changing room with the trophy after the match. What how was the night? How was the night? one?
4: So I wish we took the train with you because we was driving back with probably fifty thousand Sheffield Wednesday supporters. So the, <laughs> the motorway was slow. Jam. so we had about four different pies at the service stations because everyone would pull into the service station and then we would pull in afterwards and they'd be like oh there's the boys and we'd be going up and down the uh, the escalators you know with the trophy going up and down sliding around and get back on the bus sit in traffic get off at the next service station do it all over again <laughs> and then we finally got back to sheffield and we just ran into the first place we saw you know we still had like shower bags and you know tracksuits on and everything else and i, I mean i just that's all I can remember. Everyone was just having Is it a great true time. That
6: you actually stopped on the M4 and did a conga?
4: Yeah, I kid you not. We had eyes <laughs> in the service stations. It went on. People was looking at us like, who are these people? Because like, <laughs> as soon as we pulled in, we saw all the other buses and cars that have pulled in before us. And then once people saw that we had pulled in, they pulled in behind us. So, yeah, we had about four different types of in the service stations until we got back to Shefford. So, yeah, it was a long drive back. It was a long, entertaining drive back.
5: Go on, Ben. Well, I'm sort of moving us on now. This is a question for the season after, and it's one quite personal Oh,
1: don't question. get there yet. Yeah? I'm still talking about Cardiff. I'm still happy. I'm still, I'm, I'm still buzzing. <laughs> I'll I'm <laughs> I'm tell you
3: what. It, at Cardiff, when McLean was coming on and that penalty was about to happen I mean I think all of us will say the minute he stood up and took his tracksuit off we knew he was going to score it it was just inevitable and obviously there are all these rumors about he was going to get a bonus etc etc but did you all feel that as a team was it a case of as soon as Steve McLean comes on today he is going to score
4: yes they're lucky that he was injured we were all injured I mean I had so I had an operation the next morning after when we got back um we were all kind of the walking wounded. So, Macker was fighting tooth and nail to get on this pitch, wanted to start, but they felt like if he had started, there's no way he would have got past the first half. Hmm. So, it was, it was kind of like a percentage thing like, when do we bring him on? When do we bring him on? And I think some of the boys were about to, like, turn around. I think Bullen turned around was like, get him on because, I mean, Steve McLean and Kevin Jones could score with their eyes closed. So, once he came on, he just knew that he was going to score.
1: Kenwyn Jones, that just upsets me. Every time, I, every time I see a tweet saying name a lone player you fell in love with and you regret it every day. I look, there's Michael Hector and Kenwyn Jones. I'm like, oh, I if I just, you know what I
5: mean? Go on then, Ben. Go on, bum us all out. Go on. John. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, this was this was my first game the season after, and it was Brighton at home, and it became quite memorable. Because of, and you might remember this because you are on one or two of the pictures laughing at John Hill's, uh, getting mold by the streaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Do you remember really? that?
4: Hill's, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I forgot about her, yeah.
4: Hill's was, was a, a unique character again, nice, nice, car- nice guy, but it was like he never saw a woman before, he was like shocked. <laughs> Especially she was naked. I think he wanted to turn away, but felt under the pressure. I don't know, but hit that picture. That picture's class. That picture's yeah, the,
5: class. The, the, the picture you have, Yeah, you, you'll know what I'm on about. But it, she's all over John Hills, and you're just stood there, sort of like in the background, just absolutely laughing your head off at what.
4: <laughs> he was how nervous <laughs> like, he's like he didn't know what to do, and he just stood there like, oh my god, I'm getting hugged by a woman, and she's naked. I don't know, but yeah, he's uh Oh he, God, he, yeah.
2: He, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he, was, he
4: Hilsey's hilarious, man. Hilsey is uh again another oh, silent, God. funny guy behind the scenes.
1: Tell you what, is uh, is his hover hand. <laughs> is that, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's done really well there. <laughs> um Okay, so let's talk talk, talk. Let's, that's a that's a different conversation altogether, <laughs> like you know lovely. what I mean. Right. Yeah, you, you know, you're you're an you're, you're an elite sportsman, we're not talking <laughs> just yet. Um so uh, let's just talk about after cardiff now we spoke to matt hamshaw and uh the banter king himself uh as everybody else has seemed to refer to him as i thought he was a nice geezer, like you know what i mean um but the he mentioned about uh about following that day at cardiff now unfortunately he, i think he had an injury on the day and didn't, and didn't play and i remember him being gutted about it and we went, went through all that but there was, but that that didn't stick in his craw as much as like literally, it was like the day after Cardiff. We all of a sudden started letting people go. You know yeah. what I mean? We we, we yeah. were literally culling through through the entire team, and they, and there were, and Matt was unfortunately one of them. You know what I mean? The, one of the one of the guys that went. Did you feel that the that the heart of the Kings of Cardiff, to coin a phrase, was was torn out of that team by Sturrock in order to try and get Championship quality players?
4: it weren't even just championship quality players. It was the players that Stark wanted. Um, and obviously some of them had been in the championship, but like I said, um, you know, Stark didn't really want to play like, and I know it's not a success story, but like Turner played, he wanted to, he was very direct. He was very percentage based. Um, and he knew the type of players he wanted to, like Coughlin and, and, and uh, Adams and O'Brien. and So it, The difference for me was just the personalities. Um, When I stepped into the change room, like I said, you had Guy Branson, even though he ended up moving on. But nobody was scared to play in front of the Wednesday fans or or for the club. And then you had players that came in, and it was kind of like a holy shit moment. Um, And then, honestly, not in a bad way, but then you kind of take sides. So, you know, the people that were there before kind of congregated a bit more. And then the new players kind of congregated a bit more. So the whole feel through the dressing room was just bad at the beginning. Um, and JP was also injured at that time with his back. And so it was like it's just a different field. And Chris Eagles came in on loan. And it was just all different. And then you had the two angry Irishmen that stuck together in Brunty and Whelan. And it was just, you know, it was just different. Um, and it definitely kind of drew. It took the buzz out of what just happened. Um, mm-hmm. And Matty was, in my eyes anyway, like a legend at Hillsborough. Just had so many injuries. Um, but I remember when he came back and he played, I mean, the place was excited to see him play again. Um, and again, it's just his personality. It was just it was just a personality thing. And then the new signings came in and they were just totally different. They were just totally nice people, but just totally different. in their approach, totally different how they went about business. They were a lot more quieter. Like Hillsy, O'Brien, Coughlin, they were quiet compared to the likes of Peacock and JP and McLean and you know it was just a different, different crop of people. I bet
1: that's uh, I bet that's in- interesting to be the you know the southern posh boy that's come from Chelsea <laughs> to all of a sudden. You know, uh, Chris Eagles comes from Man U with his coiffured hair and his plucked eyebrows, and you're thinking, and you lot were taking the piss out of me, fam. Like, you know what, <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> um, that yeah. must have been a, a, a culture shock for him there. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, had, Simon, take good
4: then you had Gabby from Villa that came in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. um, you forget so, about these players, don't you? Y- y-
6: yeah. You mentioned the two Irish boys, Whelan yeah. and Bronte. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, they've gone on, probably out of that crop of players. They've gone on to be very successful premiership players, you know, at West Brom and at Stoke. I think we all saw it. I remember coming home from a match once and, and Stuart was on the radio Sheffield and he called um, Chris Bun uh, uh, an enigma. Um, and and Brunty had that in him, didn't he? He looked so lazy with the untucked shirt and the shirt that was about five sizes too big for him.
4: Looked uh, cold. Disinterested, yeah. yeah, yeah,
6: and then he'd, he'd strike a shot and it'd be wow, that's amazing. Glenn Whelan always reminded me of not because he was of his sort of Irish background, it always reminded me of Sheridan in a way. I always thought the Whelan was more a Sheridan sort of player. Yeah. Could, you, could you see that? That these two lads were going to go on and, and be what they became at their respective clubs, Stoke and West Brom, as probably legends, certainly at West Brom with Brunt. <laughs>
4: Uh, I would say not because of not because of ability because both of them had I said both of them were super talented. Um, I could see it in Glenn, um, um, just on how he was, how he carried himself. Um, Brunty had so much ability but hated running, so him and Starrett clashed because he hated running and he hated running down the wing and not getting the ball. He just absolutely despised it. You could see everything in him because when we got promoted, Brunty sat down for a while um, and was coming off the bench based on the relationship status. But ability-wise, they both had it in abundance. Um, But I could definitely see it in Glenn a lot earlier, more than Brunty, because Brunty needed a specific situation, you know, someone to like him and someone to say, I like you, and him to blossom. Um, Because him and Stark would clash worse than me and Stark. They would clash, especially when he came out with the Tuesday whistle. Brunty was like, I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore, um, you know. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised at all. Nope. Okay, quite so sad,
6: it's quite sad in a way because financially, we was always going to have to sell those two players at that time, and and it's so it's so sad really that we we didn't have the ability to keep hold of those players and build a team around them. You correct. know, but unfortunately, we didn't have a pot to pee in at the time, and and. We had to cash in on them, but I have always followed Brunty and Wh- Whelan, especially. You know, I, I I thought he was to me a bigger loss than, than Brunty because
3: he's still going, is he? Is, is he at Fleetwood
6: now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Brunt is Brunt's
5: uh, uh Bristol City. Is yeah, it? yeah, I don't
3: know if he's still there though, is he? I
5: don't Yeah, it's
4: just not, not, I don't think he's. You're making Craig crazy. feel really old, They're <laughs> Craig. They're yeah. still playing, mate. <laughs> again, again, he's probably at risk, having hands in his sleeves, like pissed off that his cold. Yeah, yeah, it's, shirt <laughs>
1: untucked down here. I, I tell you what. So, can you talk to me about? And you referred to it earlier about Terror Tuesday. So, it's something that Matty has mentioned, and something that Lee Peacock's mentioned in the past about. Um, he turn up with his whistle, and I remember Lee Peacock doing this, doing this, um, this impression. He he'd turn up and have his whistle, and he start watching it go. I'm going to pump you. Yeah. And that's how he used to say Correct. it to you, apparently. Correct. And then if you didn't make, and Hampshire said, if you didn't make a certain time, you were out
4: the team. That's it. Yep. No, no lies. So Stark didn't take training. If you remember the training ground, his office looked out the window. So he was always in the building and Summerfield and Sloop and everybody else kind of took the train session. And he would come out near the end and maybe go through what he wanted to see, you know, from kickoff or in certain aspects of the game. But on Tuesday, this dude was in the tea room. He's just swerving <laughs> around. He had this big grin on his face, and everyone's just looking at him like, "I want to kill you." And yep, you got to make these times, and if you don't make the times, he's making you do it again. And he's just, it, it's, and again, you got someone like Brunt. He's like, "I don't want to do this," and it's, it's a proud lot. I don't want to do this. And it was just an interesting concept for the day. Um, and then we also thursdays but not as
5: much as tuesdays yeah guy branston mentioned it as well though that there were that much that much running it wasn't even safe from like a sports science point of view not that sports science were having that much of an impact in 2004 but it just yeah, seemed it like, like you, you were running science. this time you shouldn't yeah. have
4: been there weren't no sports science because he would run us to say oh i'm giving you wednesday off but then we were coming Thursday morning and we'd be pumped again. I'm like, hold on a minute, did you just say we just did this all on Tuesday? Yeah, but you had Wednesday off. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, but at what, what cost did we yeah, have Wednesday off? <laughs> what is going on? So then you have some smart people like Peacock that would be kind of like half injured on a Tuesday and half injured on a Thursday and then right as rain on a Friday, ready to play <laughs> on a Saturday. So he kind of uses experience to manipulate the running. Um but yeah, he he I mean he just would Absolutely pump us based on giving you Wednesday off and <laughs> we'll coming on Thursday and start this training session on, on running. Like Absolutely. suck it did, in. Everything he did was, I mean, I came there and he goes, All right, I want you to go stand on the halfway line with all the defenders. So we have Spike, Bullen, uh Paddy, Heck, um, and but we're, we're heading I mean, Spike's heading the ball from the 18-yard box past the halfway line, and he goes, that's what I want you to do. I remember leaving there that day. You're talking about concussions. I remember leaving there that day with no feeling in my forehead, my head, my eyeballs, um, the back of my head, because he had me out there for an hour heading balls and trying to head them over the halfway line from the 18-yard box. So everything he did had no science to it. Um, (laughs) None of that stuff will be happening in today's game. That's what I said. Today's game's different. The mentality is different are you
1: uh, are you still in touch with any of the lads like you know it seems like you had a you had a hell of a that that Kings of Cardiff team seems to have a hell of a, a camaraderie around it like I, I assume social media has made that a lot easier in recent years
4: yeah when I came out here it was a bit difficult because obviously my number changed but through social media and, and getting numbers again um for a while there the likes of Bully and Peacock and, and Quinny and it keeps on trying to plan this uh Oh, where was it? Like I don't know Magaluf trip or something like that. Yeah, Peacock loves Magaluf. <laughs> yeah, and um, I always speak to JP. I speak to JP and Lee Bonham the most um, out of everybody. But every now and again, I'll touch base with Glenn, Brunty, Quinny. Quinny's in the states, um, so yeah, it's just it's more through Ham- Hampshire or mainly on social media. Um, but yeah, the the it, we were together. It was it was a group. It was definitely a group. It was definitely a squad that was um, together.
5: And yeah, you've touched upon it, Craig, when you said that Lee Bullen was probably the best captain that he played for. Could you see him? Uh, could did you feel that it was inevitable that he would go into management? And would you have thought that it'd have been at
4: Wednesday? I suppose. Bully was like mentally ahead of his time as a person. Very mature, very focused, very smart. So him being in management didn't surprise me. Um, I said, as a captain, he he just knew how to mediate on both sides. Because I said you yeah, had some of us that were pissed off with, with the running, and he would be the mediator for us um, and represent both sides well. Um, and he cared about us as a captain. He, he you know he he wasn't afraid to stick up for us as a captain. So. Um, that's what I mean by the best captain, because he, his qualities as a captain were, were there. Um, and I think he's played in every position, Any, he? I remember the championship he played in every... <laughs> it's
3: a clean sheet. Yeah,
1: we're, we're all just nodding, because we don't stop talking about it, to be fair, Rob. But... <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Steve, Steve, go on. Yeah, um, just, just a couple, really. Um, what do you think about the, where we are now? Obviously, we've talked about Lee Bullen there. Um, and one of the things for me, and I, I put a tweet out sort of separately to this tonight, just about uh, Neil Thompson coming in and, you know, it, it seems to be that there's been a, I won't say a transformation, but he seems to have galvanised what he's got, where there's, there's been lads that have been in there at the moment, like Pulis and uh, Monk before him, that have had the same sort of players that have not managed to get what the, the tune that Thompson seems to be getting out. And obviously we've touched on on Bullen there as well. Um, do you think it's, it's the man management and the ability to sort of work with the players that they've got that, you know, knowing the fabric of the club, where do you see the club sitting at the minute? And is, it, is to, to what extent is it Tomo and is it Bullen behind the scenes that are sort of pulling pulling the strings a little bit to make it work a little bit better?
4: 100%. Wooly is a person that you can go to um, and he's going to make you feel better about yourself or the situation and he's going to help you. So some coaches are just not like that. Um, like I said, I've experienced some of those coaches where they basically shit on you. They'll tell you one thing, do another thing or say one thing, do another thing. So... The element of trust, support, and, and confidence is massive in football. I would like to see the chairman give the job to people who are going to be able to manage people. Mm-hmm. I hate the whole quick session thing because somebody did something over there. I'm going to bring him in because he's going to be able to turn what we've got around, and they want to start bringing in different players. All of that takes time. Why not coach and manage the players that you've got? Um, so I would like to see something like this be more stable and allow them to not just always want to sign players but you know stabilize the club stabilize the team before you start trying to make these signings um the signings just literally stop the flow of what's already been done um and i feel like they're needed but i think the timing has to be right
1: i think um i think jürgen klopp said something very similar didn't he yeah that when he when he first came over to britain he'd been here been here a year, and he said we are as a country obsessed with signing new players. It's it's like we have to do it instead of coaching the ones that we already have. I mean, you know, which was a great sentiment at the time. And then I think in that summer he spent somewhere like three hundred and thirty million yeah, quid on new good. players. Yeah, but, like but you know, I agreed with him at the time.
4: <laughs> but at least he kind of saw what he had, worked with what he had, and yeah, yeah. He needed to get right. So I'm not saying you can't sign people, but I hate the whole the instant success. Like, well Storrk kind of did that after Cardiff, didn't he? He did because he signed David Graham, who probably is one of the most abused players <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't necessarily his fault. It was just where he scored so much goals somewhere else, but that wasn't us. Do you know what I mean? Like he we still he knocks
3: around Ecclesaw Road him occasionally. It's very bizarre. He went to Sheffield FC for a while.
4: Did yes. They? Yes, he was. Um so like I said, it was like an instant. Let me sign this person, let me sign that person. And it just didn't work. I think that was a bit of our hangover
6: after the Wembley playoff final mm. in Calvahal's second second season.
5: Mm.
6: He he, we again spaffed loads of money, had to sign all these players, Almanabdi, Ad, Adam Reach, and all these players, rather than build upon what we'd actually succeeded in. You know, because it, it, it did upset. You know, the the Fletcher coming in, who was a great player, but what three three matches later, Forestieri's is refusing to play. Norwich because somebody's come in and is earning more money than him, you know, and and it it, 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 that happened, didn't it? That that really happened then, you know. It was let's just buy all these additional players who who you know and throw in huge transfer and salaries at these players, which means we're in the situation we are now.
4: Correct. Uh, I mean, when they sign Pulis and they're thinking Pulis is going to like. Turn it around like Sam Allardyce at West Brom, and to me, their days are numbered. I feel like you need to give it to somebody who understands the landscape um, and and can stabilize the club rather than giving it to somebody who feels like they need to make 100 million changes. Because mm. um, I said nowadays, not digging at the players, they're just different. They're just different. The way they the way they act is different. The way they receive information is different. Um, I mean, before then, did you hear about anybody not ref- refusing to play because of money? Um, yeah, you know I mean, so it's just a different time. So you have to be really careful. When I said bully as a whole, he's that person to where he can communicate with you. You can trust him. What he says, what he says is what he says, and what he's going to do is what he's going to do. And how he helps people um, is, is like I said, one of the best captains I played with.
1: I love that. Somebody's uh, somebody's echoed those sentiments on Facebook as well. John Wakefield said, "Yes, Row Castle, speaking sense." I love that. <laughs> I love that. Right, Vic. Take, uh, you've got you've got the next one, haven't you? I'll be, uh, yeah, uh, also, I mentioned the sponsor.
3: Oh, I'll put it in. He knows. it's all right. It's on. It's on links. <laughs> Thanks, Michael of Wealth Management. Craig, um, I just wanted to obviously touch on what I'd imagine was probably the second highlight of your career, after playing for Sheffield Wednesday, was representing Grenada. Like Grenada, Grenada, um, yeah. Grenada. See, I, I'm Sheffield. though. I would say Grenada, wouldn't you? Yeah. I don't know. Isn't, that, know. isn't
1: that where we used to rent tellies from, like rumble O's?
3: Yeah, that's why I think I say it. It's, it's like a whole news station, isn't it? But obviously you represented your country uh, or your dad's country. And how was that for you? Like, did that obviously dad's gonna be pretty proud of his son rocking out there at you know at Cardiff. He's gonna be pretty proud of his son signing for Chelsea. When you came home with a grenade and cap, yeah, that must have just blown him away.
4: Um, yeah, it was something that we always spoke about. Um, they called me for a long time. But the problem was at the time, CONCACAF um, plays during the heart of our season. So that means you leave, you know, over that Christmas period and you miss that core part of the season. So when I came out to the States, that's obviously our off season. So it kind of just meshed really well that I could finish my season and go do that. And then I ain't got to worry about the whole pre-season side of things because I've been playing the whole off season and then go back in. So it kind of just worked out better. Um, But the best part of it was every time I went there and I was leaving, people would be at the airport that kind of grew up with my dad and would tell me stories. Um, And I'd go home and tell him, oh, I just saw your your childhood friend and he told me about this day and that day. So that was the best part of it.
3: did that help you feel a bit more connected to it because obviously you yeah. tend to imagine when you're going to play for your country when you're going to play for like your heritage it's somewhere that you you know you will have grown up your entire life if you want England caps or whatever but obviously right. you were born in England your parents yep. are Jamaican and Grenadian so yep. how how was that then to try and form that connection that sort of pride and connection of playing for your country that you actually weren't born in if that makes sense
4: it's the president. So the president, Chenny Joseph, um, used to call quite frequently. And he would say things like, um, like to boost ego and confidence, you'd be like, you know, the whole, the whole country's calling your name. So it, it was weird. Um, but going there, like I said, the welcoming was insane. Um, the group, the boys, the staff, I mean, the welcoming they gave me was, um, you know, they're so excited that I finally came. And you had people like Jason Roberts and other players that were there before. Um, so I joined in with them, and it was just a really nice experience. Um, there's a lot of dedicated players there who have played in in better places. So they really wanted to kind of get back to the Gold Cup and compete and, and do different things. So I was glad to just be a part of that because we, we, we you know, we did well in the Caribbean Cup to be placed in the Gold Cup. And like I said, like, you know, to achieve another goal was was nice.
1: All right. All right. So uh, before I wrap this up, I've got one last thing to ask you, Craig, and uh, it's going to be: Does Lee Peacock have the worst dress sense that you've ever seen in your life?
4: Hundred percent.
1: I'm going to send him that little bit of video. That's all right, <laughs> isn't it?
2: gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> G- to
4: death, but a hundred percent. This dude would show up. Well, this was pre-Chris Eagles. This dude would show up, and people would look at him to say, like, "How did you put that together?" And his whole whole outlook was to be different. So even when he started getting the tattoos and just different things, like he just wanted to be different. Um, And a funny story is when he was late for training and he came and he goes, oh my God, I was playing computer games and I just fell asleep. So he came in with like Cheeto stains up his jeans. I'm like, what's wrong with your clothes? He goes, well, I was eating Cheetos and I just kept on wiping it on my jeans. So he comes in with like Orange fingers and, and, and stains all over his jeans and his shirt where he was wiping his hands and playing like, you know, freaking computer. I was like, you are just disgusting. Like, disgusting. <laughs> his, his, his personality, like I said, it was another person who could, like, really get people going. Like, he was a very good motivation tool, always full of energy, always laughing, the loudest laugh in the club, um, and said, so, like, a brilliant teammate, brilliant teammate.
1: I'll uh, I'll, I'll not send him that bit. I'll just send the bit where you slag him off about the (laughs) Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, thank you for joining us on Facebook. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Craig. It's been absolutely outstanding. Stay on the line just a second. Uh, Thanks to Vic, Simon, Ben and Steve. Uh, Vic, check us off Facebook.
3: The Wednesday week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium.
2: on 116123 That's 116123 They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year Let's all take a moment to talk more than football
1: It's the 90th minute You've got all your mates round You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go Your mate's already been booked for double dipping And you steal the last nugget Snatching all three points back of the net Lubosch Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Participate in restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com for more information. See you later!
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.